0: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com.
1: No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. <laughs> Making the world a better place. <laughs> One show at a time. The George Wilder Jr. Show is now. The George Wilder Jr. Show is now on the air. <laughs> All right. This is Chicago's finest internet radio show, making a world a better place, one show at a time. The George Warner Jr. Show is now on the air. Take it away, Dad. Alright, everybody. Thank you for that. Welcome to the George Warner Jr. Show. I'm to <laughs> another day to um, talk about what's going on or just talk about whatever comes to mind you know whatever uh nutritionist and author jay snooker is on the george Wilder jr show i'm pretty sure i messed up his last name or her last name um uh, making the world a better place george Wilder jr show is now on the air be kind to one another out there it is so easy uh hate has no uh room here lies have no room here and uh uh, complete whatever there complete what whatever there is incomplete so that you can feel more complete every day. Always leave comments on your thoughts on each and every episode that the uh, that I actually produce for the show. You know, so and it's great outside. It looks great. It looks warm. It's, the sun is out. I'm in the city of Chicago. I have this great big old window in front of me in my studio, folks. And uh uh it looks great outside as i just got through saying and it looks beautiful i mean the sun is out and people are out but it is deceiving because it is cold you ever see one of those days where it looks great it feels great but you get out there and you freeze your ass off it's deceiving and you say to yourself i gotta get my hands on one of those meteorologists Do 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 they excuse me do they actually know what they're talking about Anyway, <laughs> this should be a fun show. I just enjoy it all the time. I enjoy the people who come, in, come on to the show. I enjoy all callers into the show. And I especially enjoy those people who do not call because they, if they're not calling, what are they, what are they doing? They're listening. And that's beautiful. And that's great. That's wonderful. Uh, nutritionist. One more time, nutritionist and author Jay Snookanenum on the George Wilder Jr. Show. That's an interesting name. I may use it. Who knows? I may use it as a character. I may create a character in one of my stories or in one of my books and just use that name because it's just such a, uh, an interesting and intriguing name. All right, the George Wilder Jr. is on the air. It's four minutes after six in the city of Chicago. It may be a different time later or earlier where you are in the world. I just hope everybody uh, at the sound of my voice, you know, I mean, you are um doing well you're, you're 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 feeling good you're happy you're positive and all those kinds of things you know there's no sense in feeling badly or bad or or negatively uh, depressed that's that's no time for that you know i mean we just put it out of your mind right there stop being depressed there's a lot of people out here who are lonely living by themselves and uh, working every day uh, there's no and a lot of those folks get depressed because there's no one around them some people say well if you why don't you get a dog and a lot of people that have, have a, a heed to that and went out and got themselves a dog not because they're lonely but because they want to give uh a, a, a life to something or someone else you know and that's great a lot of people have dogs a lot of uh, elderly people have dogs and I think owning a pet is great I think it, it's it's beautiful you don't have to you don't have to go out and get yourself a hound dog or something. Just get yourself a small uh, puppy or something. Uh, uh, you know, some something that's friendly that will not bite you. Um, um, and there's a lot of elderly people and young people. I mean, don't don't young people out here with pets. Uh, they don't have companionship. I mean, in in terms of uh, human, <laughs> if I said that correctly. But, uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with owning a pet. I mean, I know, I know and see a lot of people every day, every morning, as I'm exercising, uh, people walking their dogs. You can barely walk down the street sometimes with so many people with dogs, and a lot of these people are elderly. And a lot of elderly people would not get up out of the house if they did not have uh, a dog to walk. And... um it's beautiful to see, uh, because, if, because if you think about it, if you're walking your dog to give your dog exercise, you're also walking yourself to give yourself exercise. And that's wonderful. And I, and I always say that uh, there's always a low expectancy, low life expectancy when you live alone. There's no doubt about that. You live, uh, you'll, your uh, life expectancy is cut short if you live alone, but if you have some, someone there, even if it's a pet, you can prolong your life, you know, living alone. And, and I, I but, you know, it's something you, you got a lot of people out here who who wouldn't trade living alone for nothing in the world. And you have to respect that and you have to give them uh, all the kudos in the world if that's what they want to do. But um, um, but it's been written and reported about that living alone shortens your lifespan and so if you're living alone out there uh if you can afford it if you want now some people don't like dogs some people don't like pets they don't even want a cat, you know and you have to <laughs> you have to um respect their wishes but as i've just got through saying uh it's better to live with someone or to uh if you want to live longer you know a few years longer a few a decade longer or something and uh, it's it's nothing wrong with that camaraderie that you have with with another person or even an animal so uh, I would advise if you want to live a lot longer if you want to you know and and be a lot happier and be and be happier um adopt a dog you got people I'm looking at I'm looking at a few people right through my window as I'm on the show here uh walking their dogs and I love pets I think dogs are beautiful I I just love them they're so friendly and,
2: and
1: and 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 most of them like to play all the time. And, you know, it's just a wonderful thing. People are walking their dogs out here in the sunshine. It's cold, but they're still out here in the dogs. And a lot of folks are uh, even covering up their dogs, putting on, you know, uh, coats, coats on their dogs or sweaters on their dogs to keep the dogs warm while they're walking them. I think that's beautiful. I think that's wonderful. But one of the things that, irritates me about some dog walkers and some dog owners when they're out here uh walking their dogs a lot of them will fail to clean up after their dog and then you come along you mosey along and you step right in it and um but uh a lot of people will not clean up after their dogs especially if they know they should and then there's a lot of people who will clean up after the dog but those who clean up after their dogs suffer From the ones who will not clean up after their dogs you know and um there's a lot of people who won't won't do it and there's a lot of people who will clean up after the dogs. there's dogs uh there's a there's a few owners i've i've um, i think a few years ago i used to uh when i was you know jogging walking through the neighborhood i would see a car and the the owner it would be parked and the owner would get out of the car with his with his dog and uh, he would bring his dog over to the lawn. Of, on, he would walk his dog over to someone else's lawn. And the dog would do his thing on someone else's lawn. And then the guy would put the dog and they would get back in the car and drive off. Uh, I've seen that a lot. And he refused to clean up after the dog. I think that's awful that other people bring their dogs from, from where they live to someone else's. Uh, in someone else's community, or in someone else, on, or on someone else's street, to do their thing and then get back in their car and go—that happens. <laughs> Believe me, that happens. And then you have owners who will, who will clean up after their dog if, if, if people are around. If there's a lot of people around and you know the, the police is around, the owner will clean up after the dog. But if there's nobody around and nobody's looking and nobody's paying attention that owner of that particular dog will not clean up, you know, and I think that's wrong. But, but anyway, let me get back. Overall, having a dog or someone that you, or someone that is uh, a companion to you will undoubtedly uh, increase your lifespan. So uh, if you want to live a lot longer, make sure you uh, try and, find some companionship, especially if you're older. I've seen so many people, so many older people who have pets now, uh, happy as they can be. They don't have family, they don't have friends, but they do have uh, a pet, a nice pet, a small dog or something. And then you have people, I, I know people, some people with dogs who never walk their dogs. I think that's a disgrace. If you have a dog, make sure you walk the dog. It it it, it's um, imperative that you walk the dog because you know that's what they're for. I mean, a dog can't sit sedentary for twenty four hours a day. And there are some people who will not walk their dogs, or if they do walk their dogs, they walk their doors, they walk their dogs a few feet, and that's it, Uh, just so they can use the bathroom or something, or you know, do do their thing. But if, you're gonna, but if you have a dog, make sure you walk the dog, you know, because you are exercising as well as giving your dog uh, exercising. And when you're exercising, you you are uh, getting that blood to flow. And getting that blood to flow inside of your body means a whole hell of a lot on your health. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Blocked All Radio. No time, no time at all to sit in the house and be bored and be lonely. And depressed and feeling as if the world had turned its back on you, get up, get out, do something, be happy, uh, figure out a way to try to help somebody else, someone else who may be going through a lot a uh, lot of things that is worse than what you're going through. All right, you've been listening to the George Wanda Jr. show. All right, um, everybody know that Rudy Giuliani is uh, is now Trump's lawyer. He, <laughs> yeah, goofy Rudy, um, crazy Rudy, some people call him. Rudy Giuliani, the once mayor of New York City. He was the mayor of New York City when 9-11 occurred, and he acted as, as if he was some sort of big-time hero. And uh, he's a lawyer, um, but he's a, he's, a, he's a mouthpiece for Donald Trump. There's no doubt about it. He's trying to Get Robert Mueller to stop his investigation into the 2016 uh, Russia investigations uh, uh, into the uh, election. Now, if Michael Cohen couldn't stop it and a a lot of other lawyers who have a great amount more experience than Rudy Giuliani, what makes him think he's going to stop it? You know why? Because he's going to get on all the cable news shows and shout and scream and yell a bunch of lies, a bunch of uh, uh, pathological lies and and non-truth falsehoods. And he's going to be compelling at telling his lies. Uh, But he has no he can't stop the investigation. Uh, You know, and they're saying that he met with Robert Mueller to discuss ending the Russia probe. Who does? Um, who in the hell is Rudy Giuliani to tell Robert Mueller and the FBI, the Department of Justice, what to do? Who is he to tell Robert Mueller what to investigate and what not to investigate? He's He's just making himself look silly. And everybody thinks the reason why Trump picked... Uh, uh, what is his name, Rudy Giuliani? It's because no other lawyer wanted to work for him, no other lawyer wanted to work with him because Trump doesn't listen to any advice whatsoever. So he had to go down into the bottom of the barrel and come up with Rudy Giuliani. And all Rudy Giuliani is, is, a, is a mouthpiece that most everybody in America knows is a fake. But it's going to be interesting to hear a lot of the things, a lot of things that he's trying to say to Robert Mueller to end his investigation of Trump. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think that's going to happen at all. And this guy, Rudy Giuliani, he's just out there making an ass out of himself. He's the worst. He's the worst lawyer there is. But Trump had no choice. He needs he needs lawyers to defend him in his Russia probe. His lawyers need lawyers and their lawyers need lawyers. And that's the truth. Anybody who becomes a lawyer for Donald Trump needs a lawyer. I'm pretty sure Rudy Giuliani has a lawyer because they may be investigating him on something that he's done in his past that he thought or he figures he has gotten away with. All right. Rudy Giuliani, the former mayor of New York City and President Donald Trump's newest lawyer, met yesterday with special counselor Robert Mueller. Wow. Wow. That's got to be it. I mean, Trump reached down in the bottom of the barrel for that and he found it. He surely found it. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. We're going to take a small musical break, folks, and we'll be back. Thanks for listening. Thanks, you for everything you say about the show. We're always trying to be better, folks. We're always trying to be better. So always send us and inbox me uh, those um, great tips on how to make the show a better place, even if you're being critical. Even if you're being critical. But uh, I'm always asking for constructive criticism, Okay. (laughs)
3: Southern District of New York seized information from President Trump's personal attorney Michael Cohen. It was reported that the referral to the U.S. Attorney's Office originated with Special Counsel Mueller, but the raid itself was under the direction of the U.S. Attorney's Office and New York FBI agent.
4: I'm here today to talk about a disturbing question, which has an equally disturbing answer. My topic is the secrets of domestic violence. And the question I'm going to tackle is the one question everyone always asks. Why does she stay? Why would anyone stay with a man who beats her? I'm not a psychiatrist, a social worker, or an expert in domestic violence. I'm just one woman with a story to tell. I was 22. I had just graduated from Harvard College. I'd moved to New York City for my first job as a writer and editor at Seventeen Magazine. I I had my first apartment, my first little green uh, American Express card, and I had a very big secret. My secret was that I had this gun loaded with hollow-point bullets pointed at my head by the man who I thought was my soulmate many, many times.
1: No, this is not what i The man who about, I man, loved,
4: more than anybody on out, earth, a held a and gun he to my he head graduates. and threatened to kill me this more times than I man. can even remember. I'm here to tell you the story of crazy Basically, love,
2: a psychological trap disguised are, as love,
1: one that millions of
4: women and even a few men fall into every year. Fun,
1: parties, it may even be your story.
4: I don't look like a typical domestic violence survivor. I have a BA in English from Harvard College, an MBA in marketing from Wharton Business School. I spent most of my career working for Fortune 500 companies, including Johnson & Johnson, you Leo Burnett, and The Washington kind of thing, Post. Probably. I've been married for almost you're 20 years to, be, to my second husband,
1: and we have three time, kids never.
4: together. My dog is a black With lab, a and I drive yeah. a Honda Odyssey so
1: minivan. <laughs>
4: so my first message for you me. is that domestic violence happens to everyone. All races, all religions, all income and education levels. It's everywhere. And my second message is that everyone thinks domestic violence happens to women, that it's a women's issue. Not exactly. Over 85% of abusers are men. And domestic abuse happens only in intimate, interdependent, long-term relationships. In other words, in families the last place we would want or expect to find violence, which is one reason domestic abuse is so confusing. I would have told you myself that I was the last person on earth who would stay with a man who beats me. But in fact, I was a very typical victim because of my age. I was 22, and in the United States, women (laughs) ages 16 to 24 are three times as likely to be domestic violence victims as women of other ages. And over 500 women and girls this age are killed every year by abusive partners, boyfriends and husbands in the United States. I was also a very typical victim because I knew nothing about domestic violence, its warning signs or its patterns. I met Connor on a cold, rainy January night. He sat next to me on the New York City subway, and he started chatting me up. He told me two things. One was that he, too, had just graduated from an Ivy League school and that he worked at a very impressive Wall Street bank. But what made the biggest impression on me that first meeting was that he was smart and funny, and he looked like a farm boy. He had these big cheeks, these big apple cheeks and this wheat blonde hair, and he seemed so sweet. One of the smartest things Connor did from the very beginning was to create the illusion that I was the dominant partner in the relationship. He did this, especially at the beginning, by idolizing me. We started dating, and he loved everything about me. That I was smart, that I'd gone to Harvard, that I was passionate about helping teenage girls and my job. He wanted to know everything about my family and my childhood, my hopes and dreams. Connor believed in me as a writer and a woman in a way that no one else ever had. And he also created a magical atmosphere of trust between us by confessing his secret, which was that as a very young boy starting at age four, he had been savagely and repeatedly physically abused by his stepfather. And the abuse had gotten so bad that he had had to drop out of school in eighth grade, even though he was very smart. And he'd spent almost 20 years rebuilding his life, which is why, that Ivy League degree and the Wall Street job and his bright, shiny future meant so much to him. If you had told me that this smart, funny, sensitive man who adored me would one day dictate whether or not I wore makeup, how short my skirts were, where I lived, what jobs I took, who my friends were, and where I spent Christmas, I would have laughed at you because there was not a hint of violence, or control, or anger in Connor, at the beginning. I didn't know that the first stage in any domestic violence relationship is to seduce and charm the victim. I also didn't know that the second step is to isolate the victim. Now, Connor did not come home one day and announce, you know, hey, this, all this Romeo and Juliet stuff has been great, but I need to move into the next phase, where I isolate you and I abuse you. <laughs> so I need to get you out of this apartment where the neighbors can hear you scream, and out of this city where you have friends and family and coworkers who can see the bruises. Instead, Connor came home one Friday evening, and he told me that he had quit his job that day, his dream job. And he said that he had quit his job because of me, because I had made him feel so safe and loved that he didn't need to prove himself on Wall Street anymore. And he just wanted to get out of the city and away from his abusive, dysfunctional family and move to a tiny town in New England where he could start his life over with me by his side. Now, the last thing I wanted to do was leave New York, and my my dream job. But I thought you made sacrifices for your soulmate. So I agreed and I quit my job, and Connor and I left Manhattan together. I had no idea I was falling into crazy love, that I was walking headfirst into a carefully laid physical, financial, and psychological trap. The next step in the domestic violence pattern is to introduce the threat of violence and see how she reacts. And here's where those guns come in. As soon as we moved to New England, you know that place where Connor was supposed to feel so safe? He bought three guns. He kept one in the glove compartment of our car. He kept one under the pillows on our bed. And the third one he kept in his pocket at all times. And he said that he needed those guns because of the trauma he'd experienced as a young boy. He needed them to feel protected. But those guns were really a message for me. And even though he hadn't raised a hand to me, My life was already in grave danger every minute of every day. Connor first physically attacked me five days before our wedding. It was 7 a.m. I still had on my nightgown. I was working on my computer trying to finish a freelance writing assignment, and I got frustrated. And Connor used my anger as an excuse to put both of his hands around my neck and to squeeze so tightly that I could not breathe or scream, and he used the chokehold to hit my head repeatedly against the wall. Five days later, the ten bruises on my neck had just faded, and I put on my mother's wedding dress, and I married him. Despite what had happened, I was sure we were going to live happily ever after, because I loved him, and he loved me so much. And he was very, very sorry. He had just been really stressed out by the wedding and by becoming a family with me. It was an isolated incident and he was never going to hurt me again. It happened twice more on the honeymoon. The first time, I was driving to find a secret beach and I got lost. And he punched me in the side of my head so hard that the other side of my head repeatedly hit the driver's side window. And then a few days later, driving home from our honeymoon, he got frustrated by traffic and he threw a cold Big Mac in my face. Connor proceeded to beat me once or twice a week for the next two and a half years of our marriage. I was mistaken in thinking that I was unique and alone in this situation. One in three American women experiences domestic violence or stalking at some point in her life and the CDC reports that 15 million children are abused every year. 15 million. So actually, I was in very good company. Back to my question. Why did I stay? The answer is easy. I didn't know he was abusing me. Even though he held those loaded guns to my head, pushed me downstairs, threatened to kill our dog, pulled the key out of the car ignition as I drove down the highway, poured coffee grinds on my head as I dressed for a job interview. I never once thought of myself as a battered wife. Instead, I was a very strong woman in love with a deeply troubled man, and I was the only person on earth who could help Connor face his demons. The other question everybody asks is, why doesn't she just leave? Why didn't I walk out? I could have left any time. To me, this is the saddest and most painful question that people ask. Because we victims know something you usually don't. It's incredibly dangerous to leave an abuser. Because the final step in the domestic violence pattern is kill her. Over 70% of domestic violence murders happen after the victim has ended the relationship after she's gotten out because then the abuser has nothing left to lose other outcomes include long-term stalking even after the abuser remarries denial of financial resources and manipulation of the family court system to terrify the victim and her children who are regularly forced by family court judges to spend unsupervised time with the man who beat their mother and still we ask Why doesn't she just leave? I was able to leave because of one final sadistic beating that broke through my denial. I realized that the man who I loved so much was gonna kill me if I let him. So I broke the silence. I told everyone, the police, my neighbors, my friends and family, total strangers, And I'm here today because you all helped me. We tend to stereotype victims as grisly headlines, self-destructive women, damaged goods. The question, why does she stay, is code for some people for it's her fault for staying. As if victims intentionally choose to fall in love with men intent upon destroying us. But since publishing Crazy Love, I have heard hundreds of stories from men and women who also got out, who learned an invaluable life lesson from what happened, and who rebuilt lives, joyous, happy lives, as employees, wives, and mothers, lives completely free of violence, like me. Because it turns out that I'm actually a very typical domestic violence victim, and a typical domestic violence survivor. I remarried a kind and gentle man. We have those three kids. I have that black lab, and I have that minivan. What I will never have again, ever, is a loaded gun held to my head by someone who says that he loves me. Now, right now, maybe you're thinking, wow, this is fascinating or wow, how stupid was she? But this whole time, I've actually been talking about you. I promise you, there are several people listening to me right now who are currently being abused, or who were abused as children, or who are abusers themselves. Abuse could be affecting your daughter, your sister, your best friend right now. I was able to end my own crazy love story by breaking the silence. I'm still breaking the silence today. It's my way of helping other victims. And it's my final request of you. Talk about what you heard here. Abuse thrives only in silence. You have the power to end domestic violence simply by shining a spotlight on it. We victims need everyone. We need every one of you to understand the secrets of domestic violence. Show abuse the light of day by talking about it with your children, your coworkers, your friends and family. Recast survivors as wonderful, lovable people with full futures. Recognize the early signs of violence and conscientiously intervene de-escalate it, show victims a safe way out. Together, we can make our beds, our dinner tables, and our families the safe and peaceful oases they should be. Thank you.
1: Thank you. With now on the air.
5: This is what I call
6: Freedom Well
1: All right. Turning Point USA keeps accidentally hiring racists. Really? Accidentally hiring racists? Uh, I think this uh, US, uh, turning point USA is affiliated with Donald Trump in some ways because Donald Trump does not accidentally hire racists. He intentionally hires racists. Someone is being quoted as saying, I love making racist jokes. I hate black people. These are the kinds of people that are running the government. These are the kind of people who are uh, Trump is picking for the cabinet post, vital and sensitive uh, cabinet post within the United States. He's hiring these people who don't know anything whatsoever about what they're doing. But he knows that they can cut and eliminate that's their mission uh, uh, in some of these cabinet posts is to cut and eliminate period. period. They're coming after rental assistance, rental v- vouchers. They're saying that people who get rental assistance should uh, get jobs or something or, or, or other rental assistance, you know government uh, vouchers paying help to pay rent or have to pay someone's mortgage who may be disabled or unable to work. But you know what? The Trump administration don't give a damn about if you can't, if you're not able to work, they don't give a care. They couldn't care two cents. They just, they just want to cut those programs. They don't care if you live or die, period, period. And Turning Point USA is one of those, uh, companies that Trump, uh, is affiliated with. And uh, let's see what it says here. I'm reading an article. It says, Turning Point USA, a nonprofit founded in 2012, by then 19-year-old Charlie Kirk, has exploded in the Trump era, of course, of racism, division, pathological lying. That's the Trump era. Doesn't know what he's doing. And he doesn't know what the people he is hiring, what they're doing, and they don't know what they're doing but they're fighting for their jobs. They're fighting to keep their jobs, jobs they know nothing about. And they have all of these folks that they're working, that that are working under them. And they have these uh, million dollar budgets. And these people know exactly nothing. And and I will get on, I'll talk about Dr. Randy Jackson a little later. I think I've talked about him, Ronnie Jackson, sorry. I think I said a few things about him yesterday. They weren't very kind, however, you know, I'm just an American citizen, you know, then uh, the folks in Congress aren't going to listen to anything that I have to say or anybody. They're going to do what they want to do until November, until we vote their asses out. Anyway, um, with a stated goal of training students to promote the principles of freedom, free markets, and limited government, but a practical goal of antagonizing as many of those students liberal peers as possible the groups is uniquely poised to capitalize on the fresh uh, (laughs) new generations of young republicans so in other words the new generation of young republicans this group is teaching them how to hate that's something it's it's like going to a college uh, a college in america uh, Uh, a college that teaches their students how to hate. This is what this is. Such a group, uh, such as the group's former national field director, Crystal Clanton, who once texted a fellow Turning Point employee saying, I hate Black people, like to fuck them all. I hate Blacks, the end of story. This is, I'm quoting her. She says, I hate Blacks, like to fuck them all. I hate Blacks. At the end of the story, this is the Trump. This is this is the Trump era. This is the Trump uh, administration. I mean, this is Trump uh, unloading this racist hatred on America and around the world. Trump has dug up the underbelly in America, and they're not going back down in the ground where they should be. This is Trump all the way. I mean, this is what he and this is what he likes. And this is the kind of people who he hires, along with those who uh, kisses his ass and 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 treats him like he's king and he's nobody's king. Um, He knows that uh, come uh, November 2018, if he makes it that far, the investigation don't knock him out before then, he will lose Congress. He will lose. He will lose Congress, uh, which is the the state, uh, uh, the Illinois, um, the federal government. He will lose Congress, the House of Representatives, and the Illinois Senate. Not the Illinois Senate, but the um, United States Senate. In in Illinois, we've got we've got our own problems. I probably got that screwed up some kind of way, but we have our own problems in Illinois. But I'm talking about uh, um, Congress, the House of Representatives, and and the um, Senate. Uh, so uh, we can get all of these people who do not know what the hell they're doing. And their only purpose is to cut and destroy these programs. That, that's their only purpose. All right, you've been listening to the George Wanda Jr. Show. It's 6.46 straight up Chicago time, and it it's still beautiful. It's getting – we're losing daylight, but it's, it's we can still see clearly here.
2: And –
1: all righty the george Walter jr show is now on the air be kind to each other hate has no home here complete whatever is incomplete so that you can feel more complete every day i love that saying i think it's great and if you uh have any problems with the show something you want to get get uh, talk to me about just, just drop me a email leave a comment or something and i will get back if i'm not too busy if i'm not too busy follow the money let's see what this is about...
7: Stormy Daniels this week, and he told reporters he didn't know his lawyer Michael Cohen gave the adult film star $130,000 before the election to keep her from talking about the alleged affair. So,
8: did, did you know about the $130,000 payment to Stormy Daniels?
6: No, no.
8: Why,
4: what Michael, why did Michael Cohen make it if he was truth around allocation?
6: Well, you have to ask
3: Michael Cohen. Michael's my... An attorney, and you'll have to ask Michael O'Connor. you know where he got the money no,
6: I don't
7: know. No. The president's attorneys are asking for more time to respond to Stormy Daniels' lawsuit. Her attorneys argue the hush agreement is void because Trump did not sign it. Let's discuss this with my legal experts, Avery Freeman, a civil rights attorney and law professor joining us from Cleveland. Good to see you. And Richard Hi, Herman, a New York criminal defense attorney and law professor joining us from Las Vegas. Good to see you as well.
4: Hey, Rico.
7: Okay. So, Avery, you first. The president claims he knew nothing about the payoff to Stormy Daniels by commenting on this scandal, even by saying, no, he didn't know. Does he open up any new legal issues for him?
3: He opened up a legal Pandora's box, Frederica. I mean, I can't imagine how many times his lawyers probably told him this is something we're not going to talk about because if you make a comment, you're falling into the trap of having to have your deposition taken. And that's exactly what is going to happen now because when he says, well, why don't you just ask my lawyer about it, talk to Michael Cohen about it, I mean, not only is Cohen under the bus, he's being dragged along the interstate. So... (laughs) From the standpoint of the marital relationship, the standpoint of the pending litigation, the standpoint of his stature as president and his role in the world community, that one word, no, I didn't know anything about it, has opened up an enormous number of avenues in terms of legal actions.
7: Well, Richard, listen to how Stormy Daniels' attorney says the president's comments did indeed help their case.
0: It's like Christmas and Hanukkah all rolled into one. Uh, You can't have an agreement if one party claims they knew nothing about one of the principal terms of the agreement. So the president has just shot himself in the foot, uh, thrown his attorney basically, uh, Michael Cohen, under the bus in the process, put him in dire straits with the State Bar of New York, because according to the president now, Mr. Cohen was negotiating this agreement and doing this all on his own without consultation with the president.
7: So there now is more imagery of, you know, Michael Cohen and the highway and all of that, as you put it. You know, Avery, so Richard, you know, uh, is he making a, a good point? Does this only kind of make it worse uh, and for Trump, but then simply make it better uh, for Stormy Daniels' team?
9: Fred, the, the president is so unprepared and so unprofessional. When they hit him with that question, he was caught off guard. He didn't mean to answer that question, but he couldn't help himself. That's right. So he reflex, He said, no, speak to my attorney. He didn't want to answer that. They told him, never answer this question. Like, don't think of the color red. He just can't help himself. So he
7: did it. So it should and have been more of a Avery's no right. comment, but his, perhaps the president no. is thinking by saying, he he no, I don't know, know is right. not giving any information. But you say right. just he the says, opposite. He just I didn't know did.
9: about the payment to her, which means Avenatti's right. If he didn't know about the payment, he didn't know about the agreement. He didn't know about the right. the, the, <clears throat> the the provisions in the agreement, the representations and warranties in the agreement, the purpose of the agreement. If he didn't know about any of that stuff, then there is no agreement. There is no arbitration clause. Mm-hmm. There is no agreement. It's null and void. And Avenatti has the ammunition now to make that motion mm-hmm. to have this agreement deemed null and yeah. void. Mm-hmm. And he should do it. He shouldn't play around. He shouldn't play cute. He, that's, the, that's the relief they sought. To have this agreement knocked out he has it now in spades and as far as trump's attorney goes you know there's there's reality and then there's insanity so the reality is 10 days before the election (laughs) the access Hollywood tape comes out they want to protect trump from any more crazy Uh news like this so they move to shut her up they all get together and they do that that's the reality of it the insanity is that the, the attorney without discussing it with trump mortgage this house for $130,000 to
7: if, shut without her out. No. The no. point no. is so absurd, absurd. So then Avery what's insignificant is the whole, you know, alleged relationship, but what's significant potentially is just as Richard say, you know, days before uh, the election that this leads to the possible campaign contributions, this gift, you know, quote unquote, you know, from a Michael Cohen. But how does this help substantiate that potentially?
3: well not only that you've got the federal elections commission you've got the justice department what's the explanation mr Cohn worked for the trump organization if you're going to do something on your own you have to get permission from your boss there are ethics rules that one has to comply with so he goes out and does it what's the explanation he's like a five-year-old with his hand in the cookie jar he came up with an illogical explanation and it's going to trigger an investigation there are both civil and criminal implications of that, Frederica. So that's another aspect of it that is very, very troubling.
2: Hmm. Uh,
7: so Michael so, Avenatti, the, the attorney, you know, said that they're going to refile a petition to depose Trump. Sure. Uh, Richard, like to happen.
9: Yeah, under the National Arbitration Act, he's going to get that ability to do that, and uh, the judge will order it this time around. Uh, Michael Cohen, if he doesn't already... Have a relationship with the grievance committee, disciplinary committee in State of New York. He's going to now because you can't do these mess. things on behalf of a client without advising right. them about it. Mm-hmm. So he's got problems with that, Fred. And uh, you know, it's just it's just preposterous. What a tangled web we weave when first we practice deceive. That's what's going on here. It's 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 beyond juvenile the way they handle this. And now it's going to erupt
3: it's, in it's, problems it may be for juvenile, the president and very, Brett very serious Avery yeah. yes that? it's
7: very serious
3: I mean the, the yeah, bottom is. line is is Michael is gonna have a, a legal proceeding mm-hmm. uh, a number of them and of course mr. Trump will too so we're just at the beginning of something that's going to continue to unwind and every time mr. Trump opens his mouth on mm-hmm. this we learn something new, and it seems to get more and more complicated. So I, I think we're just beginning. I, I agree with the Wall Street Journal. People are not taking this serious, mm-hmm. uh, seriously. This could be the beginning of the end, as the Journal said. That would not be surprising here. Mm.
7: All right, well we'll And one right other
3: there. thing, Fred, just just.
5: That Mississippi surrounded by
8: for it's so-, so Maggie, how was your weekend? Oh, it was my daughter's birthday on Saturday. Was Thank it Oh yes. well, so, that's so I, I, nice. It is. I'm nice. glad
10: you had Thank lots of time
8: you. and breathing room. Was my daughter's birthday on Saturday? Thank
10: Was you it? For asking.
2: Oh, well, yes. so that's so I, 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 nice. It is I'm nice. glad you
10: had Thank lots you. of time and breathing room to celebrate that, amidst <laughs> the tweet storm yeah. that focused in part on you, in part right. on Michael Cohen. So let me just read one of the president's 24 tweets this weekend. The one Rod. that. Rel- Relates to you, yeah. uh, the New York Times and a third-rate reporter named Maggie Haberman, known as a crooked H-flunky, who I don't speak to and have nothing to do with, are going out of their way to destroy Michael Cohen and his relationship with me in the hope that he will flip. They use non-existent quote sources and a drunk, drugged-up loser who hates Michael, a fine person. That is a, not you,
11: Maggie but yeah, Who so, is man, that
10: with a, pers- uh, with a wonderful person with a wonderful family? Uh, Michael is a businessman for his own account. Lawyer, huh? who I have always liked and respected, most people will flip if the government lets them out of trouble, even if it means lying or making up stories. Sorry, I don't see Michael doing that, despite the horrible witch-hunt capitalized and the dishonest media. He was upset about your reporting about the, the pickle that Michael Cohen is in. Right. What, I- how do you explain how exercised he was?
8: Well, I think that this is a topic, as we've discussed here over several mornings, uh, is, is one that uh, is hitting a nerve with him. I think that he is, he and his lawyers are very anxious about the Southern District investigation into Michael Cohen. That is right now more of an imminent threat than the Robert Mueller uh, special counsel probe is. Um, the president, uh, I look, the story was really not about, uh, you know, destroying their relationship. The president has destroyed their relationship pretty handily on his own over a very long period of time, and that is what the story was about, which is that he has been... Um, He is abusive, according to almost everyone I speak to, to to most people in his orbit, and family is not accepted um, from that. But but he is particularly abusive to Cohen over the years. And then the question becomes, does that come back to haunt him at this point? I, I do not believe that that would be... An only factor in Cohen's mind. Only Michael Cohen obviously knows what he is thinking of doing. Because he's been Um, so
10: loyal, despite the verbal abuse and despite
8: the disrespect, he's
10: been so loyal. So obviously, that hasn't bothered him to that degree in the past.
8: Well, or at least there wasn't sort of the the presentation of his life or the president's life in front of him before, and that I think is what is going to prosecutors going to hand him.
11: Right. And look, let's just be clear about what's going on. You know, Maggie uh, better than anybody. We're nowhere near the idea of Michael Cohen being presented with any kind of offer to have to do anything. Correct. We know there's an investigation. Uh, I still don't understand what the charges would be Uh, reading everything through. I I don't even know what it is yet. So we're going to have to see what it is. No, it's a very good good point. That the president is not uh, preoccupied with this. That's why he'd go after you. Everybody Mm -hmm. knows his his description of your relationship and who you are is silly. Uh, There are few reporters that he's given more access to. We know what he's saying isn't true. But it is a clear reflection of what's going on with him. Mm. Now, are we going to have this situation be once again where he's flooded the zone with so much BS that we don't look at each of it individually? Because this is a man who has pledged to take the opioid Mm -hmm. um, crisis real, to treat addiction in a Mm -hmm. way that no president has before. We know he has to be talking about Sam Nunberg, right? Mm -hmm. Nobody else fits the description of being anyone who would be connected in any way to any kind of uh, problems with addiction except for him. Um, And again, maybe it's speculation, maybe it isn't. But that's true. Mm -hmm. Should he be held to account, the president of the United States, for referring to somebody as a drugged up drunk when he says he wants to Mm -hmm. give attention to addiction, treat these Mm -hmm. people with respect, treat them as sick, help with the problem? Because he just identified the problem. He Mm -hmm. is the problem. The stigma is a big part of the problem in changing how we deal with it. I know all the other stuff is great political intrigue, no, but, but should is, we focus on that?
8: I, I totally agree with you. Yes, we should. I mean, this is somebody who, a huge driver for his election, both in the primaries and in the general election, was concerned about the opioid crisis, um, the spread of addiction, the lack of treatment, the lack of options. He was very good at going to events and sort of sounding a note of compassion, calling someone a drugged-up loser on Twitter, and especially then creating this kind of, who is it? Is it Sam Nunberg? Is it someone else's game? Um, that is the opposite, and that is something um, that people who have been uh, working in the field of addiction for a very long time have been trying to push back against when it comes from the President of the United states it is It is a fundamentally stronger message, and it is as we know I mean I think this is the reality chris that you're pointing to, and it's an important, it's an important point. Um, this is how he really feels what he's about addicts. you know we know that he had a brother who died of alcoholism. we know that he considers addiction to be weak. Um, Whatever he says to people when he is either um, dealing with people who have lost children, as he did recently in New Hampshire, um, to opioids, or when he is trying to sound as if he is focused on this crisis, that is very revealing, to say what he said.
10: Mm -hmm. Um, He's obviously very exercised as well about what's happened with James Comey, the book tour, Mm -hmm. and the memos. That were released, that James Comey had written after meeting with um, Donald Trump. So here's another tweet. James Comey illegally leaked classified documents to the press in order to generate a special counsel. Therefore, the special counsel was established based on an illegal act. Really? Does anybody know what that means?
8: I mean, I don't know that he knows what that means based on that tweet, because we don't actually know that what Comey did um, was "quote unquote" illegal? We do not know whether there was classified information that should have been that was retroactively classified. The Inspector General is looking. That is being it. looked at. Well, there is a big difference between something being looked at and something being done. But the same way there is a big difference between a country saying they're going to denuclearize and actually saying that. for sure. And I we're going to get to that. Yeah.
10: But that is what triggered the special counsel. He's mm-hmm. right about that. That the, the James Comey handing over the
8: uh... memos to a friend. Well, Rosenstein yeah, you know, I was gonna say the that's not counsel. true. Yeah, there were the, the memos were part of it, but the fact that the president fired Comey mm-hmm. in what um the deputy attorney general clearly was concerned was at least partly politically yep. motivated, partly personally motivated, all of that is what triggered. Sure, me.
10: sure. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you just heard James Comey there say I had hoped to, to push. trigger yes. something by releasing sure. these because he was so alarmed by what he had already
8: heard. Sure. But, I mean, I think that, again, this, this always goes back. The president's very good at winnowing things down to the act and trying to get us to kind of um, fight on those terms. Uh, he, he has been more successful than I think people realize it's setting the terms of debate of the coverage of what he does. But the reality is that as the Comey members present and as all of our independent reporting showed at the time, the, the collective we there were many reasons right. um, that people were concerned. Yeah. About and Rosenstein pulled right. the
11: trigger Correct. on this. Okay. And, you right. know, and this was, this was uh, right. Trump's guy. You know what's impressive to me about this? Not that he, once again, how can you not know how to spell counsel with special counsel when you've written about it so many times, Mr. President? I don't, just, you know, take a beat. You know, realize what words you're putting down there. Your words matter. How can somebody who has... Good well,
8: Twitter. But I mean, at this point, how
11: many times has he written about Jim Comey and the special right. counsel? He still misspells it? What I, What I'm saying is... Somebody who has the best information in the world about all of this stuff, right? We don't even come close. He is always going off what he hears in the media about yes, this. Right. Jim Comey says, "You know, I really wanted to give it a push." You know, and he's kind of he's kind of boosting himself anyway, right? It's part of his mm-hmm. book tour. He knows uh, right. that it was his firing, not what he did, uh, but. The president picks up on what the guy says as part of his book tour. And that's more important to him than all the information he could have about this investigation from the people doing it.
8: He, as you both know, he comes to conclusions and then he looks for information that can back that up. And so he's watching television, he's watching these interviews, he's watching Fox News. And he has decided that Comey is corrupt and this is all wrong. And look, that's what points to it. And he's
11: living the dream. The this man. All the dreams that we've had, of, boy, great to know for sure. He's always a phone call away yes, for sure. Yes. And yet he goes on what he sees can't, on Fox.
8: Can't control what that information that he's getting, um, you know, from his actual government. It's much easier to try to control what people are seeing through your Twitter feed.
1: Hmm. All right, folks. The George Wanda Jr. Show is back on the air. We've had some difficulties, folks. It's probably internet related or. All right. It's probably internet related and uh, we're back now, (laughs) hopefully. And we've been talking about some of everything uh, under the sun and uh, it's a beautiful day in the city of Chicago. I hope it's a beautiful day where you are and I hope everybody's well and up. Most of the show has been recorded, so don't worry about that. Uh, It happens every now and then. Um, Technical difficulties, the rain, the storms, but it's not raining or storming. So it has to be slow internet connections because there, one of the things I do believe uh, that causes slow internet connection that interferes with uh, the radio show and other things around the country is that so many people are online. When so many people are online, uh, everybody's on, online, doing something online, it, it throws a lot of things off. I mean, Facebook one time went down because, uh, I believe, because there were so many people on Facebook. Whenever there are so many people online and there's millions and millions of people around the world online, some of the people doing some of the same things, uh, uh, it messes with the um, interactions, interactivity of the Internet and slows it down. I'm not saying this is the problem that's caused my show to be thrown off the air and suddenly back on again. But this is something that I have grown to... um, after four years being on the show, doing this show four years, uh, <laughs> it's something I've gone to uh, expect. And a lot of people who listen to the show, they know that when it's, it, the Internet, it, it slows down, it can crash, it can, you know, uh, just blah, 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 uh, you know, just uh, completely, completely blow up on you. And you, don't, and you think you're on the air and you're not on the air uh, because uh, there's times when I can play a clip and the clip is. Um, uh, playing and I can hear the clip, but I can't hear my voice. Uh, so there's something there. And and it's all because if I can boil it down to one thing, I'm going to boil it down to probably more likely um, the slow slowing down of the internet connection, okay? Because we're all over the world, folks, and everybody is on, and, and this looks like an evening where, and it feels like an evening where everybody is on the internet trying to do something or other on the internet. And it's <laughs> sometimes it doesn't gel together. If that makes any sense, if I'm, I'm just giving an excuse to why we were thrown off the air, and um, uh, and suddenly we're back on, you know. And whenever I'm thrown off the air, the, your host here, George Wilder Jr. Whenever I'm thrown off the air, sometimes I don't even know I'm thrown off the air. Sometimes I'm I'm just running off at the mouth. And never realizing that I'm thrown off the air until it pops up on my screen. Well, you've been off the air for 30 minutes. And what? You know, so, I said, but that was good stuff, you know. <laughs> All right, everybody. We're, uh, it's uh, 7.16 p.m. in the city of Chicago. I hope it's great and wonderful where you are. Remember, remember what I said at the start of, start of the show. Um, forget about being depressed or, or lonely or unhappy. It's not a good thing. Uh, it, it messes with your uh, body body's time clock, and it can end your uh, shorten your life expectancy. So you don't want that to happen, you know. And um, I, we were talking about something later. Trump keeps hiring racists. I mean, this is what Trump wants. He wants to hire people who are going to hurt people up in people. I think before I was thrown off, I was talking about rental assistance or something. Government rental assistance that rental assistance that Trump wants to eliminate. He wants to get rid of rental assistance. He wants to get rid of food stamps. He wants to get rid of anything that makes you happy because he knows that you don't like him and he wants to hit back at you because you don't like him and you're going to vote against him uh, come November. Come November. And we are going to vote against vote against him. And we are going to vote blue. But we are going to vo- vote vote blue, if I can say vote blue. <laughs> vote blue. Um, yeah, uh, but even though there's a lot of people, a lot of liberals, a lot of progressives, a lot of people who hate Trump and don't like Trump, want to see Trump out of the Oval Office as myself, uh, Democrats are not going to win every. Every office. That's that's Democrats are gonna come close to winning, as closer than they've ever been before. But Republicans are gonna squeak a lot of these things out things out. And, and I'm not talking about the midterms, I'm talking about small elections around the country, countries and cities and in states. But I do know for a fact that come November 6th, 2018, there will be a blue wave there will be a blue wave we will take back the senate we will take back the house of representatives stay positive and it's going to happen folks i mean americans are pissed off they're pissed off at this president they're pissed off at congress who let this president do what he wants to do when he is a proven criminal uh uh there will be a blue wave, but of what I'm saying here is we're not going to win every election in some of these small uh state houses, uh, uh, mayors and 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 stuff like that, uh, local uh, attorney generals and things like that. Uh, uh, but we will get the big enchilada, yeah. We will get if Trump lasts until November 18, he will. Be weakened, But still and all, it's best to have him out because he still will have the power of executive power. He will still be signing in executive powers. But Trump is, I'm pretty sure they've told him when you sign an executive law, uh, it's, it's so easily erased by the next president that replaces you, the next president president who who's going to replace him, just like he has erased so much undone or erased so much of what Obama has done. And the next Democratic president that wins that, that the White House will erase and undo everything he's done. That's, that's why he's around. He's running around the country saying, don't vote, don't vote Democrat, don't vote Democrat, as if we're supposed to listen to a Pathological Liar. Anyway, uh, welcome to the George Wanda Jr. Show. We were off for a little bit, but we're back on. And it's 7.20 as I turn to my right and look at the clock. And um, it's been great. It's been wonderful. I love doing the show, and I love that you're out there. And I do. we do have problems on the show, and we uh, will have a great guest for you tomorrow. Let's see who's going to be on the show tomorrow. Let me see. Let me get my little... <laughs> Uh, pad here, and we'll find out. It's going to be Julia Robinson, and she's going to be talking about or discussing her book on int- intimacy, forgotten art. Wow, <laughs> that should be interesting, right? If not, then uh, we'll just we'll go with it anyway. All right, because uh, you know, I, I, you know, you don't find too many romantic people around too much anymore. Romance is dead, but and and that's coming from somebody who is very romantic. I, I always felt thought of myself as being romantic. Uh, a lot of people didn't know that I wasn't going to go around and, and and shout it out to the world as I'm doing now, right? Uh, but uh, because I've written a lot of things that's uh, romantic, and a lot of people a lot of people feel that romantic writers, romance writers of romance, okay, are women. Uh, you know, I agree. Majority of them are, if not most of them are. But I have written a lot of romance stuff, too, uh, uh, from the um, from the um, angle of a male. <laughs> yeah, There are a lot of romance writers out there. There is no doubt about it. And a lot of them are very, very good. And I think I'm good. You know, I, I like it. I like because I've always been romantic. I've always been the one, I've always been the, the kind of person who could fall in love very, very easily. Very easily. <laughs> and that's, I believe that's what made me romantic. But I, I always kept it inside. Very, very inside until I became a writer. Then I started, you know, it took me a few years, but I started writing romantic, um, falling in love. You know, I mean, that's one of the greatest things, I think on earth is to fall in love and be in love and to be happy. And to be happy. And <laughs> I'm a very more romantic guy. I can be tough. I can be mean. I can be nasty and I can be romantic. You know, I mean, I think most of us can, but most of us are not romantic writers. Now, there's a lot of women out here who write that erotica crap. I don't, I don't, uh, I'm not next to that. I don't, Care for that, and I've, I've always said people who write erotica, they're wasting their time, they're wasting their talent because there's so many other there's millions of other people out there who are writing that garbage, and they're competing uh, competing for sh- competing for shelf time for that mess. I call it garbage, erotica writing, and uh, I don't even want an erotica writer on my show. I mean I just filth garbage, smut, and dirt. I mean, and I always tell people if you're gonna write erotica, you're just wasting your time. You know, I mean, why why don't you write something that's creative? That's, I mean, and that's another thing. I don't think uh, smut writing is creative. I really don't. <laughs> I really don't. I see so much of it on Facebook, and I create these groups, you know, just for writers. And suddenly, you know, a few days from now, it's gonna be filled with smut. Then I have to go through there and start deleting. Uh, I'm just not into erotica. And I try to make that plain. Sometimes, sometimes people don't listen and sometimes they don't care. And they post that smut anyway. And I just have to take a lot of take off what I'm doing and try to delete it all because I don't want people to think that I'm a part of it. You know. All right, you've been listening to the George Wanda Jr. Show on Blog Talk Radio. And once again, I want to say I'm I apologize for uh, the um technical difficulties, everybody calls it technical difficulties. Whenever they have a uh, something strange happen on a newscast or a television show or some sort of uh, unexplained phenomena, they call it a technical difficulty. That's a good way of getting out of it. <laughs> you know, because uh, that's what it was. I think it was. And I think my technical difficulty was was, as I just got through explaining, was a probably a slow internet connection because of so many people, so many people uh, logging on to the internet online. You have whatever happened to people saying "World Wide Web" or "cyberspace"? Those are terms that that seem to have gone away because when the internet was was a phenomenon you know, 20, 30 years ago, it was WWW, World Wide Web. You don't hear that anymore. You don't hear cyberspace. The terms that most people are using today are let's go online. (laughs) Let's upload this. You know, let's go to Facebook. And that's one of the things that I noticed with a lot of people with cell phones. They're looking down at their cell phones when you get on the when you're riding the train, even in their cars, on the buses. Of walking down the street, people are staring down at their cell phones. And what ba- what are they staring down at? They're staring down at Facebook. They're not reading an article. It's it's Facebook. Everybody's on Facebook. And a lot of people who are on Facebook, they just on Facebook. They don't post. They don't click like. They're just uh, reading and 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 observing what other people are doing. You know. So how did I get here? <laughs> <laughs> How did I get here? Anyway, it's been fun, folks. We're just about off the air. The George Walter Jr. Show. Um, make sure you join me tomorrow. We're going to have a great guest tomorrow. We're going to be talking about some of the great things, um, more topics, more of this, more of that, more political intrigue, because you never know what's going to come out of the Trump administration. You never know. Something's always oozing out of the Trump administration. And it's taking hold on America. And once Trump is out of there, if he's ever out of there, and we all can just hope. And we're always hearing about things that Trump is going to be impeached. Trump is going to be thrown out. Trump, that this is it for Trump. And he ends up dancing out from under all of this, from under all of this. So, but I do believe this is the end for Trump. I've heard that by this spring, I don't know, you know, things, things, Uh, But I'm hoping so. But he still may be able to ease out under under from an indictment. I don't know. I have no clue. I doubt it. But anyway, we know we have a Congress that is letting this man roam and just pick apart America at will. And they. And they practically do nothing.
5: Heaven help the girl who walks the streets alone Heaven help the roses if the bombs begin to fall Heaven help the soul Heaven help the black man if he struggles one more day Heaven help the white man if he turns It's the man is called Everyone of calm. the song
1: Thanks for listening, everybody, as as I'm always saying. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in to the George Wilder Jr. Show. We're just about off the air. If we're not off the air already, folks, I want to thank you for tuning in. Make sure you tune in tomorrow. Have a great evening. Have a great weekend, whichever one comes first. Bye-bye, everybody. Take care.